Now, I want you to think about something real quick. I want, to think, I want you to think about what leads you in your life, what drives you, what guides you. And I'm going to make a statement now that I, that I want you to, to ponder for a moment. What you love is what leads you. Okay, I want you to think about that for a minute. What you love leads you. So you can reverse engineer that and think about what drives you every day. And maybe another way to think about it is what, what keeps you up at night? What are the things that, that, that keep you up, that make you think about, that make you worry? What, what drives you? What makes you think about what you're going to do the next day? What you love is what leads you. And, and what I hope to do is make a case that we should be led more than anything by the love of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We're going to start out today in John chapter 10. And this is going to start out in John chapter 10, verses 11 through 18. And this is kind of picking up from where we were last week, where Jesus declared that he is the gate that we enter in through. He says this. He starts to mix metaphors a little bit. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. When the hired hand sees the wolf coming... He leaves the sheep and runs away. That's because he isn't the shepherd. The sheep aren't really his. So the wolf attacks the sheep and scatters them. He's only a hired hand, and, sheep, and the sheep don't matter to him. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. I give up my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that don't belong to the sheep, this sheep pen. I must lead them too. They listen, they listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. This is why, my, why the Father loves me. I give up my life so that I can take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I give it up because I want to. I have the right to give it up, and I have the right to take it up again. I received this commandment from my Father. Now, if you were here around Christmas, we talked a lot during the Christmas season about shepherds. Um, I did a little bit of research and, and found out some interesting things about shepherds. Shepherds were really considered the lowest of the low in, in Jewish society at this point in time. Now, Jesus is contrasting himself from normal shepherds, isn't he? You'll notice at the beginning of this passage, he says, in contrast, he says, when the hired hand, now most shepherds were hired hands. There were people that were hired to take care of the flock. But he, he says, I'm different from that. He says that I'm different because when the hired hand sees the wolf coming, he leaves the sheep and runs away. Now, I have a quick question. Who do you think that the, in, this, in this passage, if Jesus is the good shepherd, who is the wolf? Satan. Some people said Satan. I, I would agree with that. Now, if your theology, um, it, you know, there is a tendency because we are so modern and westernized and, and so uh, enlightened to, to say, well, I can believe in God, but I can't believe in the devil. 
I, I would caution against this, this idea of, of believing in a good supernatural being, but not having room in your theology for uh, this idea of an evil supernatural being. Uh, some people have a problem with it because they think of the devil as this guy with a pitchfork and a tail and horns. Now, I, I, I want to tell you, I don't believe that the devil necessarily looks like the cartoons tell us that the devil looks, but I, I think that there's a danger because... If we, if we do not have room in our theology for evil, if we don't have room in our theology for the devil, then we're really quickly going to blame God for all of the evil that we see. Or we're going to blame other people for the evil that we see in the world. And the Bible says that we do not battle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness. And so we have to have room in our theology for this idea of this wolf that is coming against God. Now, the good thing is, I don't think, you know, we don't talk about the devil a lot because I don't think the devil deserves talking about all that much because we have a God that protects us. Now, how do we know that we're protected? We're protected in our proximity to the good shepherd. And it says, uh, it says, that he protects us and he, in fact, lays down his life for us. That is a powerful statement. Now, I want to read this, this passage in light of another passage that is really, really well known. Psalm 23. And I think this is a fascinating passage because it's a psalm of David. We had this up on our wall at my house, and our kids would read it every single day so they could try to memorize it. It's a great passage to memorize. It's a very real passage because it talks about the goodness of God, but it even talks about the dark places that we can sometimes find ourselves in. Now, do you know what David, David was the king of Israel, but do you know what he was before he was a king? He was a shepherd, which I find fascinating. Um, I think it's interesting that he thinks about God in light of his old identity as a shepherd. And I think an interesting thought experiment for anybody in this room, no matter what you do on a day-to-day basis, one of the things you identify yourself with is your occupation. And I want you to think for just a moment about your occupation and put God into that occupation. So if you are, let's say you're a physician, think about God as the great physician. If you're a parent, think about God as a parent. And this is exactly what David is doing in this passage. And so I want to read this. In fact, let's do this. Could we read this all as with one voice? Because it's a powerful passage of Scripture, and I think it's a great one to internalize. So if you could, just look at the words, and let's read this all with one voice. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He lets me rest in grassy meadows. He leads me to restful waters. He keeps me alive. He guides me in proper paths for the sake of all his good name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no danger because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they protect me. You set a table for me right in front of my enemies. You bathe my head in oil. My cup is so full it spills over. Yes, goodness and faithful love pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house where once I live. That's an awesome passage of Scripture. 
And that is powerful. It's interesting to think about David knowing what a shepherd does, and especially what a good shepherd does. And, and you know, when we read about the life of David in, in the book of Samuel, we learn that he, he did many of these things for his flock. He, he actually fought a bear. I'll tell you, what it's, it's good training if you're going to be fighting giants at one point in your life to fight bears. So, so David, when he was a shepherd, he, he, would, he, would, he would actually, he was very much like what Jesus talks about in the New Testament. He didn't turn tail and run when any sight of danger. And what I want to do is I want to go through three things that we find out that a good shepherd does for his flock. And I, and I, want, I want you to understand something about this. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, you are a sheep. Now, that could kind of be an insult, maybe. Are sheep the smartest animals on earth? No, no, they're not. And, and, and you know, part of following Jesus with our lives is that we have to be humble. I said earlier that what you love leads you. And to be a Christian is, is basically to say that I need to be led by a greater power than myself, that I am going to surrender my life, my will, to a God that is greater than me. Now, if, if you want to be in control of your life, you can be led by your career, you can be led by money, you can be led by any number of things. But what you love leads you. And God will never let us down if we follow the path that he puts before us. And so it is a much better thing to be led by the good shepherd than by the myriad of other things we could be led by in our lives. So I want to go through three things that the good shepherd does. We find in the first three verses, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. What this tells us is that God provides. The first thing that the good shepherd does is the good shepherd provides. Now, you notice it doesn't say the Lord is my shepherd, he gives me whatever I want. Sometimes that's, that's the Christianity we present to people, is that if you have God in your life, he just gives you whatever he wants, what, what you want. But that's not what the, the Scripture tells us. The, the Scripture tells us we have everything that we need. If we follow after the Good Shepherd, we have everything we need. It says that he lets me rest in grassy meadows. He leads me to restful waters. He keeps me alive. And what I hear there is peace, that we have peace. Now, I don't want you to get this idea that because God leads us to peace, that our whole lives are without trouble. Because the next thing we find in verse 4, and this is why I think this is such a powerful passage, is that it, it doesn't just talk about all the sunshine and rainbows of a life in Christ. What do we see in verse 4? We see even though the, God, the Good Shepherd provides in the first three verses, we move to another section. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no danger because you are with me. Your rod and staff, they protect me. There's, there's a translation, and I really like this translation. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That is pretty hardcore, isn't it? That sounds pretty dangerous. And so what we find, and this is what I love about this scripture, is that it's very real about what a life, of Christ, life in Christ is. It doesn't mean that we're never going to enter those valleys. What it means, though, is the second thing about the good. We said the good shepherd provides. The second thing that he does is the good shepherd protects. 
The good shepherd protects us. Um, I want to talk for a second about this idea of uh, the, your rod and your staff. They protect me. Um, there, there's one thing that, that I was reading about that shepherds would do at this time, which, which I think, this, this is going to sound horrible, especially if you're an animal lover. I, I told my son Dash about this, and, and he said, this is horrible. One of the things that, that shepherds would sometimes do, if there was a, a lamb that would keep on going away and, and keep on getting away from the flock, that's dangerous, right? If, if the lamb is, is off by its own, it could be uh, predators around. It, it could find itself in a lot of danger. Sometimes what uh, the, the, the shepherd would do is he would break the legs of the lamb. I know, it sounds horrible. He would break the legs of the lamb. And you ever see these pictures of Jesus where he has a lamb around his his shoulders. We all we that we have this cartoonish ideas about oh isn't that beautiful? Have you ever tried to hold a lamb? You ever tried to feed the goats at, at Grant's farm? They don't they don't they don't just get her on your neck too easy, do they? What 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 it, what sometimes they would do is he would break the legs and then he would hold that lamb or on his shoulders and he would walk and and as the lamb and he would actually he would have to take special care of that lamb and sometimes this is this is what God does for us is that when we are outside of His care He will sometimes have to do something to get us near to Him, bring us closer so that He can take care of us. Now you know what happens though with that lamb whose whose legs are broken as as it gets better, um, guess who it stays closer to? It stays closer to the shepherd. It stays very, very close. In fact, almost like a pet, it will not leave the side of that good shepherd because while its legs were broken, that, that shepherd would take special care of that lamb. And, and that's kind of what it is like in our lives. We know that God protects us, and sometimes he, he has to take measures so that we will stay closer to him. And, and when he takes that special care of us, we'll never leave his side. Now, it says this, you set a table for me right in front of my enemies. You bathe my head in oil. My cup is so full, it spills over. Now, this is interesting. Um, so, so you know what they didn't have back then was they didn't have really good uh, uh, bug spray. Okay, so a lot of the times, what they would do, what when when sometimes if, if a, a sheep, like I said, sheep are not the smartest animals, right? Sometimes what would happen is a fly could land on a sheep and lay eggs. I know this is going to get a little gross here. It could lay eggs in a sheep's nose, and when it would do that, the larva could climb up into the head of the sheep. Sometimes what the sheep would do is you would find these sheep and they would be banging their heads because they could not find where these, where these larvae were in their head. So you know what the, what the shepherd would do? He would pour oil over the head of the sheep. And when he would bathe their head in oil, it would keep anything off of their head. So this is not just beautiful poetic language. This is, this is a real thing. He would pour oil over the head of the sheep as a hedge of protection to keep this this lamb healthy. So the good shepherd provides, the good shepherd protects, and I think this is one of the coolest things. The good shepherd pursues. The good shepherd pursues. And I want to I read this last verse. It says in, in verse 6, yes, goodness, goodness and faithful love will pursue me 
all of the days of my life, and I will live in the Lord's house as long as I live. Did you know that God pursues you? Do you know that God is after your heart and that nothing will hold him back from you? I want to read this um, from Luke chapter 15 because Jesus talks about this in another passage of Scripture. He says um, in, in Luke 15, verses 1 through 7, All the tax collectors and sinners were gathering around Jesus to listen to him. The Pharisees and the legal experts were grumbling, saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Scandalous, right? This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And at the time, it was scandalous. People didn't do that, especially if you were a religious leader. You didn't dine with sinners, but that's, that's what separates Jesus from, from, from the religious leaders of the time. And Jesus told them this parable. Suppose someone among you had 100 sheep and lost one of them. Wouldn't he leave the other 99 in the pasture and search for the lost one until he finds it? And when he finds it, he is thrilled and places it on his shoulders. When he arrives home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Celebrate with me, because I've lost my one sheep. In the same way, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who changed both heart and life than over 99 righteous people who have no need to change their their hearts and lives. You know, Jesus goes after you. Jesus goes after me. In fact, if you were the only one in need of Jesus' salvation, he would go after. And, you know, we sang that song, Reckless Love, and we're going to sing it again when we end here. It says, you leave the 99. And, and that's kind of insider language. Part, part of me doesn't like that because if, if you don't know this parable, it's hard to understand that. But get a vision of what Jesus has done for you. I want you to get a vision of what he did. That Jesus, the good shepherd, became a lamb for you. That Jesus, the one who spoke the world into existence, humbled himself. And this sounds so strange. It's, it's so different than the way we think about winning and losing in our world. We, we, you know, the, the winners are the people who, who, who fight the battle. And they come out on top. But, but no, Jesus did it totally different. Jesus became the lamb. He became like the lamb to the slaughter. He went to die the death that you deserve, that I deserved. Now, this scripture is really interesting. It, it talks about that, that there is so much joy in heaven, not over people who keep the righteousness, but over the people who have wandered away but are brought back by the powerful love of God, by this reckless love of God. I'm going to invite our band back up to the stage. I want you to think real hard for a moment about what leads your life. I want you to think about what drives you on any given day. And I want you to close your eyes for a moment. And just be very honest about what what drives you on a day-to-day basis on what leads you and guides you. And say, is, is it Christ that guides me? Is it Christ that leads me? And if it's not, today could be a change. Today could be a, a day of great change for you where you say, Lord God, I want to I give up 
leading my, myself. I want to give up being led by my job, by being led by my ambitions. I want to be led by the good shepherd. I want to be led by the God who provides for me, the God who protects me, and the God who pursues me. At, at great harm to himself, he pursues me. And today could be the day where you just give up your life to the good shepherd. And you say, God, I want to be led by you. I want to be led by the good shepherd in my life. If you would, let's, let's pray together. Lord God, we recognize that you are the good shepherd in our lives. That you are the God who pursues after us. That at any cost, Lord God, you were willing to give up your life so that we could have eternal life and that we could have life on this earth that counts. I thank you that we can have a life that counts right now. And so, Lord God, I pray, Lord God, that if, if there's somebody who, who doesn't know how you've been pursuing them, that, that they would feel that by the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit in this place today, that you would make it abundantly clear that, that you have gone to great cost of your own so that we could know your love and we could be led by you. We could be protected by you. We thank you, Lord God. We just ask that you lead us, Lord God. In Jesus' holy name, amen.